Welcome to Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. This podcast will offer weekly episodes equipping passive and active investors alike with the tools, knowledge, and confidence to build wealth through one of the most powerful wealth creation vehicles out there, apartments. Let's get into today's episode. All right, Welcome to all right. Lovely Monday. Disrupt where TV studios. Never stop. Who are you and who am I? I am the lovely Ferris Musa. There you go. Ben Suttles, your host here of Money Mondays. When do we do this, man? Every every, every Monday, 3.30 Central. Uh, yeah. What are we talking about today, Ben? We're going to underwrite some deals, right? We can't go through the whole entire process, everybody. Obviously, you know, uh, underwriting is a, uh, it's a, it's a mathematical process. It's also a little bit of an art, and it also takes more than 30 minutes. So Now we're going to go through a real deal this or is a one fake of our, deal? This is one of our real deals, you know, um, that we had kind of gone through. Man, when did we buy this? Back in 18, 2018? Somewhere around there. Yeah, it's going on three years since we bought this deal. Uh, we've since exited. We don't have it anymore, though. We since exited it. We sold it. What kind of returns did we see? We had about 75, 80% return in 18 months, something around there. Not bad. Not bad. So on an annualized basis, it was close to 50%, folks. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, not all of them can be home runs like that, right? But we're going to tell you why this deal was interesting. So let me give a little bit of backstory real quick, and then we can hop into the numbers. Yeah. So maybe to kind of give some people context, uh, where's that switcher? It's in my pocket. So basically, really quick, right? This was a deal in Atlanta. It was kind of an ugly deal, but therein lies the opportunity. We're going to run through kind of some of the financials really as to really why there was an opportunity. But really, it was a deal that not a lot of people looked at. A lot yep. of people got scared, went out there and toured the deal. And, you know, we have it up here on the screen. You can kind of take a look at what it looked like, a little bit of the before and after. Yep. Right? But really, it was a deal that had nine down units, mm-hmm. right? It's 99-unit property, so nine is about 10%. Yep. So 10% of the units were down. Plus, just rough deal. The area was okay, but it's just mismanaged. You know, poor boy owners didn't know what they were well, doing. Well, and they were, and they weren't even really. Man- Let's be honest; they were self-managing, but they didn't really have a property management company, folks. Like, they were one of those people that are like, "Oh, I'm just going to pay the manager out of my own pocket," and it was extremely loose. And when we came on site, we knew that there was an opportunity, but it did take me a little bit of time to get used to it. You know, I think I, we've probably told this story before, where I was. A little bit shell-shocked for the first couple hours, but then I started warming up to the deal. And ultimately, it's all about the numbers. You can't get sold on the sexiness of a property or the sexiness of an area. It has to be driven by the data and the numbers, right? Yep. So ultimately, when we went back, even after due diligence, we knew we had something here, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was just ultimately, it's about the numbers, like Ben said. So, you know, what made it attractive for us is that the guys that ran it clearly weren't operators. So, first thing, that means there's usually efficiencies that can be done. Yep. It had down units that, again, if you come in capitalized, you can get those units online, yep. improve it. And, you know, we saw some things that are happening in the area, right? We saw that basically a property nearby got bought vacant. Someone had put 40 a door into it and upgrading it. So really mm-hmm. his cost base is 80. We saw that the deal, you know, basically the deal across the street had a waiting list. And so we saw some indicators that look, hey, if we were to come in, operate this property effectively, we can get this thing turned around. Yep. And so... That's ultimately what we did. But really, today, we're here to talk about not the deal, the returns. We're here to talk about what we saw in the deal from a financial perspective, yep. right? Yep. Kind of going into it. And we got a little bit of a whiteboard here. We'll try to see if we can, if you guys can't see that, just holler at us, right? You know, I always kind of tell people, you have to have a few different things before you can even start underwriting a deal, right? You have to have what? T12? T12, rent, rent roll. roll. And, and preferably, I mean, preferably, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a third thing. These guys didn't have any bank statements, Right, which was a big, big red flag. They said, "Oh, we co-mingle this with other Sliers. properties." Why would somebody? Do, why would somebody do that? It's right, because they're lying. 
because they're lying, <laughs> right? Whatever they had on their financials, we completely threw out of um, the window right off the bat because we knew that they weren't ultimately operating the property efficiently, and we knew that they were co-mingling and probably weren't making as much income as, uh, as ultimately they were saying they were, they were doing, right? And when we took over the property, we realized that it was about 80, 75, 80% occupied on paper, but of that, it was they were actually probably closer to 70% occupied. And of that 70%, probably only about half of them were actually paying rent. Yeah. So it was, it, was a, it was a pretty rough deal to take over. So really, ultimately, what was happening in the past is not necessarily what's going to be indicative of what's going to happen in the future, right? Yep. So that's why we, we crossed this all out, right? You know, yeah, so we got their financials. It's mediocre <laughs> at best. It wasn't accurate, right? And that's okay. We don't care. Yeah, like, I mean, we're really we, so in this kind of deal. Whenever it's a reposition play, what do you, you know with a deep value add? What are you looking for? You care less about how the person's operated it. Yeah. There are some things you do care about. You know, you want to know what their water bill is. That's probably not going to change. You want to oh, maybe know some of their. Oh, but on that deal, on that deal, probably not unless you come in with a specific gap that you see a problem mm-hmm. to solve, right? You know, maybe that was a bad example. Yeah, that's <laughs> a bad example of the water bill. Long story. We don't want to get into that one on this show, but. Um, you know, there's some things though. Generally, utilities yeah. aren't going to change. Generally, things like you know contracts that they have aren't going to change. Landscaping is not going to change drastically. So yeah. maybe some of the expenses you can keep, but on the income side, it's all about what are you doing, right? Because a property that's vacant doesn't mean that it's going to be vacant whenever you run the property. That's true. And that's so true. you know, you really want on those kind of plays, you want to look at your year one, right? So on this deal, yep. Right. You know, if you kind of take a look at it, so. You want to point out, so Ben is going to be my lovely host. Hey, uh, hey, hey. What's, what's the host from? Uh, Vanna White, dude. Vanna Come White, on. thank you. <laughs> but I'm not flipping the I got, things I got, around. I got Benny know. White. Uh, She's certainly <laughs> cuter than I am. And uh, so basically, what do we do in the gross potential, right? So this deal, right, We, if you really average that out, right, I did the math just a second ago, that ends up being $715 per unit. Yep. This property was all two and three bedroom units. Mm-hmm. They were already getting that. We got so much more than that, right? We ended up getting like nine fifty, thousand dollars on some of those yeah, units, right? It was on the townhome units, yep. And so, really, we're looking at the gross potential, which means if every unit is functional and rentable, what could we get, yep. right? Assuming it's hundred. That is the max, and that's actually that's a good point. Let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about some of these concepts. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, once again, folks, we can't underwrite the whole entire deal. We can't tell you exactly how to underwrite, but we're gonna go, we're gonna try to give you the high level stuff. Gross potential rent is if a hundred percent of those units are rented out at the max rent that you can get in that market, that is the number that you're going to yeah, get. More specifically, at market rents. At market yeah. rents, right? Well, you know. well, so. Now, that usually doesn't happen. So when does when does economic and physical... So economic includes people that don't pay their rent, right? Bad debt. Okay. It includes units that are down. Yep. It includes whenever they're sitting vacant. Um, model, the model, model unit, right? if you have one. Ta- uh, employee units, all of employee that. Employee units. Right? So this is anything that's going to take away from, once again, 100% max rents, 100% of the units, right? Yeah. And then you also have physical vacancy, right? You know, you have just, say, 10, 20% of the units aren't going to be occupied. So you're going to decrease that from your gross potential rent, right? So then that gets you your net rental income, right? This is how much rent you're pulling in on a yearly basis, right? So in this case... 724. They were saying that they're already at 725. It was a it was a completely made up mythical number that they were never going to get, folks. But they were telling everybody that they were, and we knew that that was completely out of the. So we threw that out the window, right? So this was 
our actual underwriting based on what we knew about the market, what we knew about the comps, working with our property management company. All of these people will help you underwrite because they ultimately want you to be successful, right? Yeah. You know, and you have to provide a budget to your lender, so you need to really understand how this works. And because this unit had nine down units, plus it had to get cleaned out. You know, we, we underwrote a pretty high economic, right? 20% yeah. uh, roughly, right? Because we knew that 10% of the units are down. We knew that was going to take us a couple of months to get online. Unfortunately, a few months longer than expected, but we still got them done fairly quickly. Yep. And on top of that, right, we knew we were just going to have to get back, you know, get, get the bad elements out of there. Yeah. Those are going to sit vacant, and those are going to be rough turns. And so, all right, so let's talk about what is other income, right? Oh, man. That's everything, all right? Anything you can possibly think you can charge. So, you know, things like late fees, application fees. Pet fees. Parking, if you have it, right? Reserve parking, if you have covered parking. I mean, there's yep. any of those kinds of things. On this property, yes, mostly pet fees, application fees, late fees. You know, not non-sufficient fund fee, like, you know, some of um, these check back, bounces. Actually. So usually whenever, yeah. you know, utilities, if you rub it back, which we did do, right, that goes in there as well. So big, big buckets, folks, just and to recap. if you recap. guys notice, look, so we went from 26000 to 71000 on the other income. And why was that, though, right? They were self-managing. They weren't collecting the fee structure that they should have been for yep. this size property. So we knew that we had this, this number in the bag. And actually, I think it ended up being a little bit more than this. You know, so yeah. we threw their numbers out because they were all BS anyway. Right, we started underwriting how it should be. So you have to normalize the T12, right? Because you're going to find even on a stabilized property that there might be something on the on either the revenue side or the econ- or the expense side that maybe you could potentially do better. Maybe you could run the property a little bit more efficiently and therefore have you know a more profitable deal, right? So here's other income. So then you get total net income, right? So we were at seven ninety six six eighty. All right. Then and again, this is projected year one. Right. This is projected so year one. This is while we're still in the midst of our rehab, getting it cleaned up. Yep. And I guess one thing we should have on here is year two, once it's stabilized. And we'll kind of talk to that verbally, right? But yeah. keep going. All right. So then you have your expenses, right? You know, so this Wait, is... Pause for a second. For those of you just tuning in, Money Mondays, we do this every Monday, 3.30 Central. Yep. Talk about a bunch of different things. Today, we're talking about underwriting a real deal that we had, kind of what we saw whenever we first bought the deal, right? Actually, before we bought the deal, what, what led us to offer on the deal? And, you know, uh, basically, we'll go through that for about 15, 20 minutes. And then we'll leave about five, 10 minutes at the very end to just go through Q&A. So if people have comments, questions, go ahead and leave them. We're happy to kind of talk through it. And All right, Vanna, back to you. Hey, hey, hey. So one thing I wanted to mention too, folks, is you have to be comfortable with the numbers. If you're not comfortable with the numbers, you're always going to have a problem because ultimately your lender's going to be asking you, your investors are going to be asking you. You have to know your numbers, especially on your first few deals, right? You have to be have all that buttoned up. So even if you don't feel like you're good on a spreadsheet, get comfortable, right? There's classes on Excel. There's all kinds of information out there. It's ultimately not rocket science. I've underwritten probably upwards of about a thousand deals. I can probably look at a deal and within about 15 minutes, I can determine if it's going to be something that we want to even move forward with, right? Mm -hmm. We We have a sniff test before it even gets into our pipeline. Just by some basic things, we just know like, hey, that's not going to work for us, right? So, once again, we threw all that out because we knew it wasn't going to work for us and it wasn't, it was ultimately not accurate anyway. It was cooked. So that's why you do rent roll analysis, you do lease audits, you try to determine, is the seller, what they're telling you, correct? And we knew off the bat before we even got on site that it wasn't. So here we go. So total net income minus our expenses, right? So your expenses are everything except for capital expenses, which we'll get into here in a minute, and your debt service, which is your mortgage, right? So this is going to be payroll. This is going to be insurance. This is going to be taxes. This is going to be utilities. This is going to be 
you know, regular repairs and maintenance stuff that you have, contracts that you might have, maybe pest control or call it landscaping, right? You're going to have all this is going to be lumped into your expenses. You're going to decrease it from the total net income that your property takes in. And then you're going to get, then you obviously have your replacement reserves. What are replacement reserves? That is what the lender expects you to escrow. And it's usually anywhere from 250 to maybe 350 a unit per year. And they force this as part of your, your mortgage note every month to put that aside for capital items that you might have to do throughout the course of the year. So this is on top of the CapEx budget that you might bring to the table when you close the deal, right? And pretty much every single deal that we've come across, there's been a couple that we've seen that don't have this, but for the most part, you're always going to have this. So then you decrease this from your expenses, right? Then you're going to get your NOI, net operating income, right? And this is really, this is how you value a property, right? You take this number divided by a cap rate and you're going to determine your value, right? So, so we did that up here, right? So Yep. So basically we're saying is, you know, year one, if you just stabilize it at a six and a half cap, which is very conservative, right? We're valued at a $4.5 million value, yep. right? That's not actually very good, right? Look at what we bought it for. We bought it for $3.9 million, yep. about $200,000 in fees, $900,000 in rehab. So we're all in about $5 million, right? Yep. But the really important thing to people is what? This is our, not our stabilized calculation, right? This is still year one. We're still getting units online, getting them rented. Mm-hmm. And so really, if you assume... That basically, what we end up doing year two, right? We end up increasing the NOI about two hundred thousand. Why? Because this is about this is right here is about a hundred thousand dollars. Sorry, this is about twenty percent economic, right? Yep. This will end up being about you know really about ten nine. So I get about fifty you know fifty percent of this back. So about a hundred thousand dollars, right? That will come back in here. Add it to the two ninety five. Right. Everybody. So that two ninety five. So that gets you know it's about three hundred. So that gets you about four hundred thousand. Right, and then on top of that, we, we started knew, increasing this too. Yeah, as I said, we popped our income significant, actually, much higher on those upgraded units, and we got more other income. Mm-hmm. So we end up getting about another hundred thousand. So then, if you really do that, so you're four hundred plus another hundred thousand. For those of you that don't know, I'm a software guy. I type because it's a lot better than my handwriting. <laughs> so, but so what really, exactly are you trying to say down there? No, we end a- up having about five hundred thousand dollars NOI. If you end up going back and calculate out at a six and a half cap, what is that? That ends up being about $7.7 million. I did not calculate that in my head. Ben was amazed, but yeah. actually I calculated that uh, right before. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, $7.7 million, right? So really, if you do a year two value, right, you're at about 7.7. And what, and what are we all in? We're all in at 5 Se- million, folks. 5 million. And then maybe one thing that's missing, everyone, is what do we raise on this deal, Ben? 1.2? 1.1. 1.1 million? Yep. 1.1 million raise. Right, so if you really work through this, everyone, so let's just do this. So 7.7 minus what One. we bought it for. All right, our all-in cost, let's check out our all-in cost, 5 million, five right? Million. 5 million equals $2.7 million left, right? Yep. Now, on top of that, you have other closing costs, other miscellaneous Call fees. Call it 300K. Yeah, so, I mean, you, know, you end up about, let's just say, 2.4 million, right? Yep. Now, on this deal, we had $1.1 million that we raised, so after you give everyone back their, you know, after you give everyone back their initial capital, you end up having $1.3 million left. And then on this deal, we had some uh, some fun uh, county fees and oh, other yeah. miscellaneous stuff, which Ben is wondering, where'd the math go? But yeah, you know, but we end up making about $1.3 million plus or minus a bit. So very ballpark, but that's really the high level of how you go from kind of where a deal is to basically projecting out to then figure out, okay, whenever I go to sell it, right? The other thing, too, that we're kind of ignoring 
is whenever we went to sell, Atlanta was not a 6.5 cap market. No, no. Six and, that's, and a quarter, six, more closer and to you six brought cap. up a really good point, right? So this is called what's called a reversion cap rate, right? This is the cap rate that we could potentially sell this at in one to five years, right? And nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody really knows what that number is. So you always want to be conservative, right? So this actually ended up probably being six. So we got a 50 basis point, you know, bump yeah. essentially in our value, which is good for us, right? It's the gravy on top of everything, but we didn't underwrite the deal for that in mind, right? So we were trying to be conservative up front. We ended up selling it at a six cap, which is, uh, ended up helping us out. But you have to understand where you're currently buying it at. Where stabilized properties, regardless if this is unstabilized, where were you buying at, right? And really right around then was about six and a quarter. You know, so we bumped it up to about six and a half on a reversion, right? And we ultimately, cap rates ended up compressing even more and it ended up being a six cap. And this is roughly so, where we modeled it and realistically where we sold it too, No, right? no, no, it was, so. it, was, it, was, it was pretty spot on. I wanted, to, I wanted to kind of point out one thing though, right? You know, what you do on an unstabilized deal that has a lot of down units, it's going, it, it's going you might as well just throw those numbers out the window. And really the lender doesn't care as much because you're going with the bridge lender anyway. The, the, the bridge lender is caring about what is the value going to be in the one to three years because they want to A, make sure that you can either refi or sell the deal and be able to pay them that note back. Right, so they're going to be focusing more on year one and, and Yeah, so and for the, just out. the kind of people that are listening, right? A bridge lender essentially is a lender that is lending not on the stabilized deal and what it looks like today. Yeah. They're lending usually higher leverage, but they're giving you, essentially they're, they're baking in their risk elsewhere. You're bringing more money up front, but they're going to give you much higher leverage and give you yep. rehab dollars, and they're betting on where you're going to take the deal to. So they need to actually understand that business plan and get behind it as well. Yeah. And besides the fact we had a terrible bridge lender on this deal, <laughs> right? We, we use the bridge lender. We won't say names. We will not say names. Yeah, but... Yeah, no. um, you know, ultimately, right, that's how we were able to buy this deal. We couldn't have never bought it with a Fannie and Freddie. No, no and right? that's, that's another tool. It's a valuable tool. You got to use the right tool for the right thing. It's all about, yes, it's all about the right debt, folks. That really, really makes a difference. So on this deal, once again, it was probably 70 to 80% occupied. Fannie and Freddie aren't going to touch a deal unless it's 90% for 90 days. Yes. Right? So we knew going in that we were always going to have to use a bridge lender. Yeah. Right, bridge lenders are their their interest rates are going to be a little bit higher. They might give you a little bit more leverage. Usually, it's all IO. You can still get non recourse, right? But you usually have to be out of the deal within two, three, maybe upwards of five years, just depending on what kind of term you get. Yep. So you just have to you have to bake that into your analysis, right? Whereas if we had a stabilized deal, Fannie and Freddie really pay attention to the historicals, right? I mean, in fact, that's probably one of that plus the sponsorship group are the two biggest things that they're fo- focusing on. Right, whereas the bridge lender is focusing on what's the pro forma, right? They're all equally important, and ultimately Fannie and Freddie still want to see that too. But they're going to try to look and see what has happened in this property over the last one to two years is what Fannie and Freddie are trying to focus on. Yep. So you know, I know, like I said, we were moving fast. And so I mean, and know. also maybe one last thing to add to you for this deal, we were modeling actually doing a refi. We weren't planning to sell it. No, we weren't. We weren't. Right, but the refi was you model the same thing so instead. You're pulling out that much money. Get the back to investor, then you hold on to the deal. Ultimately, so let's decide- talk about let's talk about why why didn't we go for a refi on this deal? I mean, ultimately we're just sitting on so much cash. It just made better to exit it. We would have had to recapitalize it a little bit. So even though we'd have done refi, we'd have had to put some of that money back into the property, and we could have, right? It still needed probably about a five hundred thousand dollar injection. The real, let's just be honest. The real reason, right, is Ben lost all of his hair on that deal. It was a stressful <laughs> deal. You know, we really wanted to move on. And that's part of it, right? I mean, you get you know some deals are exhausting. Right. This this was and, an yeah, exhausting deal. This one deal. we were able to perform. We home run it for the investors, and 
you know, do we refi and hold on or do we make an exit and let someone else come through, come in with new capital? Because we could have refied, but I guess ultimately with the refi, you want to pull most of that, give that back to the investors. And, you know, so we would have still needed to capitalize it some versus someone coming in new, they can come in with a lot more capital, right? They, they can did. dump another million dollars back into the property I think instead he actually, of another 500000 And I think he ultimately did. That, yeah. was, that was, he, he was close to another million dollars. So, because that's ultimately what it needed but we were never going to be able to get $2 million in our rehab budget with the lender, right? Yeah, now, could we have taken another million dollars to it? But that's not really how we operate our properties, right? We try to come in and do probably, you know, 50, 60, 70% of the work, but we leave enough meat on yeah. the bone for the next person so they have a business plan, yep. right? It makes it more attractive. You have a bigger buying pool where you say, hey, there's still some meat on this bone. And so we were never going to come in and, you know, do the... $40,000 a unit like we see in Atlanta sometimes, you know, we did the $10,000 rehab. Yep. And we got a lot done. Yeah. You know, the property looked tremendously better than when we took, when we taken it over. We had re- repositioned it. We got all the dirt bags out, you know, which was probably... Uh, there's a better, probably a better term for that. All of the... Uh, well, what? I mean, they All of the um, not appealing tenants. <laughs> It's very politically correct. Very we, politically we had security on, cleaned out the property, you had and to. turned it into a community, and people That's started what loving it and taking care of it, brought on a playground, really yeah. improved it. Yeah. So, but before we continue, for those tuning in for the first time, Money Mondays, we do this every Monday, 3.30 Central, on our Disrupt Equity Facebook page, yep. um, or on LinkedIn, kind of any of our channels. Uh, basically, we do 30 minutes, usually all in. So first 15, mm-hmm. 20 minutes, we're presenting different topics. This week, we're talking about underwriting a real deal and kind of what we saw at the very beginning of a deal that we did eventually sell. And, you know, the last 5, 10 minutes is Q&A. So if people have questions, go ahead and leave them. We're happy to go through it. We'll do it here live and kind of answer people's yeah, questions. Yeah, we went pretty close. Cool. We that's the best quick. part. And, you know, ask us questions about this or something yeah. else, right? We tried to leave it really high level and explain the concepts, right? And let people kind of create their own detailed analysis. The one thing I want to point out, everybody, so, is that you have, this is, this is based on experience. This is also based on the property management company that you're working with's experience as well, right? You know, we didn't just come out of, we just didn't pick numbers out of a hat here, right? This is based on our market studies, what the property management company felt like we could do. And you, 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 you really, you back into it and say, okay, is this still a deal? Right after taking a first kind of sniff test of the whole thing. And it ultimately ended up being better than we expected. Yes. But do not just try to do this all on your own, especially when you're under contract. You really need to be working with your property management companies um, you know, pretty early on in the process to understand this. Yeah, so going through comments, questions. So Jefferson says, what's up, Ferris and Ben? How are everyone? Has a great weekend. You too, my friend. What's up, buddy? Savion says, valet trash, if you offer the renters, and is that money going to property or the insurance company from your experience? Oh, no, Usually definitely... valet trash, you charge a premium. Yeah. So you, you know, becomes a cash, it becomes an incentive for the tenants. It's an, it's other income. Yeah. It's other income, folks. And yeah, you're paying, absolutely. You're, you're collecting more than you're paying, and it helps keep your property cleaner. Yeah. For example, you're going to charge your tenant 25 bucks, but you're only paying $15 a month for that, right? That delta at 10 bucks is going into your other income, right? Uh-huh. So let's keep going. So Eduardo says, hello, Ben and Ferris. Great topic for thing, uh, Facebook Live. Thanks for presenting and educating prospective investors. Always happy to. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Iggy says, what's up? What's up, Iggy? Iggy, what's going Ronnie on, Ronnie says, what's up? Ronnie. <laughs> Mr. Ronnie! Savion says, love the simplicity, man. F- even from a high level, I feel my eight-year-old would understand how to underwrite a deal. Definitely <laughs> proof of the understanding you both have. How do you feel about using rules of thumb initially when underwriting? Absolutely. Example, 50% expense ratio, 2.5% closing out, 1% working capital. Should you always confirm with the property marketplace, with property management companies? There's... You want to answer your one more time? Well, yeah, there's a lot of questions in that, right? You know, I mean, I, I think you should 
You should first absolutely and use you, rule of thumb. Rules it's a of thumb game. Are, you're trying to narrow your Yeah, you're trying to, trying to minimize your amount of work, right? If, especially if you're looking at 50 different deals, right? You know, but you have, that's within reason, right? There's rules of thumb. That does not mean that they are laws, right? You have to just understand that. Yes, you should work with your property management company. Um, some of the ones that you did point out, you know, expense ratios, right? I would say on this deal, it was probably pushing 55, 60%. Whereas newer deals, you can probably be 45 to 50. So it just depends on how, what the vintage is, what submarket it is. Because one thing that people um, here in Texas, we do have some lower expenses on certain sides, but most of the time, especially along the coast, your insurance and especially your taxes here in Texas completely blow up your expense ratio. Yep. Right. Whereas you'll go out to Phoenix and your expenses might be a little bit lower. Atlanta, because same thing, right? Yeah. You know, taxes are appraised very differently than Texas. So absolutely, and the insurance is usually a little bit a little bit uh, lower as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, rules of thumb, absolutely. All right, Ronnie says no plaid today. Nope, but he says let me know <laughs> y'all's shirt sizes. Just send us some kingly plaid gear. Oh, you're welcome to send it to us. Um, Isaiah says, I'm a large, hey guys, I don't know thank about you. This guy. Yeah, so for those tuning in, right, Money Mondays do this every Monday, 3.30 Central, usually going through different topics. Today we're talking about underwriting a deal. Next week we're talking about, Ben doesn't know. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. But, you know, basically we'll do 20 minutes presentation, then the last 10 minutes Q&A. So if you have questions, please drop the questions. We'll answer them here live. Uh, but next week, let's see, so our uh, lovely Shanna has a... Uh, What's coming up next? How week? to define your real estate How to investing define your goals, real estate dude? Investing goals. That's right. Come on, I forgot man. about that. But before that, right, we do have an underwriting guidelines, don't we, Ben? Yes, we do. Yes, we Where do. Where can people get it? DisruptEquity.com/slash/underwritingguide, all one word, and two G's after each other. Underwriting. Yeah. So yeah. underwriting guide. Yeah. Spell it all out, everybody. Right. Um, and so it's it's definitely going to help you out. You know, give you some of those rules of thumbs. Give you a little bit more information. We're not trying to sell anything. It's not going to cost you any money. Right. You know, one one thing I am going to try to, you know, shamelessly plug is Investor Academy. We do have an underwriting course that, you know, we literally spend a, a ton of time. There's probably anywhere from eight to ten hours worth a lot, of a lot of sweat and tears. It was. Well, it definitely was a lot of sweat. <laughs> because we we do it Saturday nights and it was usually baking up here because they don't have the AC on. But we there's about eight or ten hours worth of content on there, folks, and we took a way deep dive on underwriting. And so you'll learn a lot more than a thirty minute show that we can give you. We're just trying to give you the basic concepts here. Yeah. You know, and so kind of show you a different, uh, you know, a different side of, you know, how you look at it. It's a mathematical game and it's a relationship game, right? Absolutely. You know, but numbers don't lie. You know, you have to make sure that that the numbers work, you know, regardless if you think that the deal is sexy or the submarket is sexy. That's why I love the power of the partnership, right? Because I'll talk him off a ledge on deals and he'll do the same thing. He really likes Austin deals. I wonder why. For anybody that knows, yeah. he graduated from UT. That's why. But I also like Austin deals too. Uh -huh. <laughs> So, you know, sometimes we, we, we have to almost, you know, let's, let's pick it apart because we're probably getting too caught up in where it's located at, you know, and ultimately the numbers have to work. Yep. So, you know, that'd be my, my piece of advice for everybody kind of tuning yeah, in. Yeah, so with that said, Money Monday is every Monday, 3.30 Central. If anyone has any more questions, go ahead and ask them. Otherwise, we'll call it a wrap. A little bit behind schedule, but we started behind schedule, so that's fair. All right, all right. Going once. Going twice. No questions? No questions. People are quiet today. It's Mondays, man. It's that Monday. It's that Monday. Come on, guys. Ben still wants itching to talk. No, I mean I like this topic, you know, and I think it's I think it's important for people to understand. So well hit us up offline if you guys have any questions. All right, let's call it a wrap then. Thank you all very much. Money Mondays. We will see you guys again next week. How to define your real
We hope you enjoyed today's episode on Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. We have some really great episodes coming up, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast. For those interested in passively investing in cash-flowing multifamily properties, visit disruptequity.com invest. Fill out your information there, and you will get notified when we release our next multifamily passive investment offering.